Welcome, everybody, to the third podcast. We're on the second episode of season two of Downton Abbey. Uh, the war is still on. Maids are still serving a table, and uh, we're here to talk about all of that. Uh, I'm Teresa Schechter from Brooklyn. I am Brandy Sperry from Seattle. I am Rachel Horowitz from Oakland. And I am Shannon Bowen, also from Oakland. And you are listening to the Downton Gabby podcast uh, brought to you by the Downton Abbey second season auxiliary viewing society. It is July 1917 in Yorkshire. Oh, Yorkshire. I don't think I knew that. (laughs) (laughs) And as we open this episode, Downton Abbey has been uh, converted into a convalescent home for officers after they have uh, been discharged from the hospital, but are not quite ready to head back to regular life. And this is causing uh, a number of p- power struggles in the the new system. Among them, uh, Isabel and Cora having a little spat here and there. Isabel obviously being the one who's kind of in charge of things from a medical perspective, and Cora being the lady of the manor, no matter whether the manor has been taken over by soldiers or not. We get some interesting conflict between these two. I think that um, Cora is acting like a total mean girl. <laughs> I agree. Agreed? I mean, Isabel actually knows what she's doing. I don't know. Are we supposed to not like Isabel anymore? Are are, are we supposed to take Cora's side? Because I really don't take Cora's side. I think I think it's debatable. I can sympathize with Cora a little bit because I know that this is probably just like a lot for her pretty little head to take in and she doesn't want to be useless, but she can't actually come out and say that like her personality won't let her sort of be the way Isabel is and just be like, well, I've got to do what we've got to do. You know, she, she has to be backhanded about it a little bit. I do kind of like how, I like how the entire family, though, it's a they're acting, you know, they're doing this huge service. It's a it's something you can feel good about. But they're literally acting the way me and my family acted when my cousins from out of town stayed a little bit too long. (laughs) Where you're kind of like, we have to keep entertaining these people and do this stuff. And you just kind of want to plop down and watch TV and get back to day to day normal stuff. Totally. I mean, what you were saying, Brandy, that she doesn't want, Cora doesn't want to be useless. I think she does want to be useless, you know, and she, <laughs> she is resentful of Isabel, who thrives on purpose and wants to be valued as knowing something about medicine. And Cora is just like, no, I know how to do one thing, and it's run this house and boss the maids around, and you won't take that away from me. Does Cora hate the idea of Isabel being in charge so much that she's willing to let Thomas be in charge? I think she's lost her mind that, that O'Brien can convince her that Thomas is a good idea. Yeah, she definitely, there was a great scene of, once again, O'Brien implanting this idea and Cora's big blue eyes looking up being like, oh, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't stand <laughs> I hate Cora there. I've said it. I hate her. I hate her too. Wow. There is a little bit, like, Isabel is a little bit condescending, like, patronizing. 
it's kind sure. of like you know there's a hint of the housewife versus the working gal you know yeah i mean seeing cora unleash her mean girl side it makes me really understand why her and o'brien get along so well i think that they have something in common about wanting to be mean girls Oh, yeah. O'Brien is the ultimate follower of the mean girl, right? <laughs> she is so totally. happy to be in the mean girl's inner circle. And there's times where O'Brien wants Cora's approval so badly, you know, and Cora, Cora's funny because she she'll sometimes kind of embarrass O'Brien in front of the other servants. Like she won't necessarily, you know, admit that they're on the same page. She'll kind of put O'Brien down in some ways and it does it reminds me of Mean Girls in terms of sometimes you're in, sometimes you're out <laughs> sometimes she'll acknowledge <laughs> you, you had the really good idea, sometimes she won't she'll take the idea for herself <laughs> the friend won't invite you to the mall with, with her totally there's this way that Cora talks everything, oh, everything God. kind of Everything kind of ends in a pout. It's like <laughs> crazy making. Yeah, her pouty face is out of control in this episode. <laughs> I mean, I I mean that could be our next drinking game for a pouty <laughs> face because it was all over this episode. Um. Well, speaking of pouty faces, uh. Meanwhile, <laughs> um, back in the in the room where the soldiers are staying edith is uh flittering around <laughs> fetching books and uh after at the beginning of the episode there's an interesting conversation with her and sybil where edith is kind of like what am i supposed to do now and sybil's like figure it out i've got sheets to wash or whatever i love when sybil's like sybil's like you had such purpose at that farm <laughs> yeah. you had so much <laughs> You had so much passion for that farm, Edith. What was that about? <laughs> now we all know that he was married to that lady. <laughs> yeah, everybody but you already knew that. So. <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, I do love that Edith says, I feel like a spare part. I thought that was a really good line. The story of Edith's life. Yeah. I, I quite like the moment at the dinner. There's a some important general stopping by for dinner or something, and he's like, um, gonna make a toast to someone who's been very helpful. And everyone's kind of looking around like, who could it possibly be? It's probably Sybil. And then, uh, it's Edith, <laughs> and the, the absolute shock on Cora's face is just. And then she starts clapping and being like, oh, dear daughter, or whatever. But it's like, wow, you really have no faith in her at all. Yeah, the the look on Mary's face is so funny. It goes from shock to disbelief to, like, you can tell in her mind she's deciding whatever. You know, she can have that. <laughs> Miss Congeniality is never something Mary, I think, will ever win. <laughs> she's going for the crown. Yeah, and she gets that. My favorite part of that scene is when he says, you know, He's leading into the speech, and Isabel has this look that it's going to be about her. And oh, yeah. It's going to show Cora, and then it's not about her, and Isabel loses again. 
I feel like the Earl has become kind of petulant, and he seems like a spoiled baby to me these days. I think I'm liking him the least for some reason. Definitely. I think he's definitely acting like a spoiled child. Okay, so the other big storyline in this particular episode is uh, the plot of Branson. <laughs> this evil plot. Um, what do we think about this? this? This act of conscientious objecting bravery? Or, I mean, I thought he was supposed to be a pacifist. <laughs> I thought it was maybe the best plan I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Ever on TV. I mean, what a I love. I love when they ask him, what is in this? And he's like, he's like, just some oil and some water and mud. Oh, yeah, and poop. Oh, and <laughs> some spoiled milk. Spoiled milk. And it just goes on and on. Like, <laughs> And then I peed in it. I think it's really funny when Anna finds the note. And like, what would you do if you found a note that said, by the time you read this, I'll be arrested? Yeah, they think that he's going to shoot the dude, but they still are like, I've got to show this note to my immediate supervisor <laughs> and then to his, their immediate supervisor. And all because, heaven forbid, that Anna, a maid, run into the dining room. <laughs> well, also, why can't she just be like, say it? Why is she like, read this letter? I'm in a hurry. Read this letter. I mean, it's just the... Efficient. Seriously, watching each character process that letter... <laughs> First they, have to, first they have to read it, then they have to take a second to figure out what it means, like connect the dots. General, dining room, Branson, kind of political guy. He's, oh, you're like, oh my god. Where oh is he god. now? What should I do? I know, I'll show Carson. <laughs> but wait, did I show it to Daisy? Do I need to show it to Daisy first? <laughs> No, the war hasn't changed everything, Shannon. <laughs> Daisy can stay in the kitchen. She's not. Okay. She's well, not. you kind of get, you get this funny sense that if this is how the British handle this situation in a giant house, you're like, dear God, I hope things move quicker out on the battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they are toast if they go through this much protocol, you know? So I don't know about Branson, like, Branson is, is sort of like, oh, I'm going to do all of these things, and you better just understand it. And she's kind of horrified, and he's like, it's what I have to do. Don't ask questions. Sybil seems to have found, they, they, they initially connected because they both had these political views. They both wanted to change the world. And I feel like Sybil has taken the traditional route of doing things, like, within the system. And he's kind of more radical, you know, aside from his annoying bossy traits. It seems like she's getting increasingly comfortable with, like, the Isabel way of doing things. Yeah. And not necessarily the radical, crazy way of doing things. Yeah, I worry about if she stays with him that she's going to, like, be saddled with these children and he's going to be, like, locked away as a political prisoner in some other country or something, <laughs> you know? Oh, my gosh. Can you guys imagine the Earl's head if she tells her daddy that she's in love with a chauffeur? Like, I feel like that's a very explosive situation. Definitely. Yeah, it is, it is interesting to see whether whether things are going to go that far with those two. Well, and I just wonder, why doesn't he have any, like, why doesn't she have any other guys that are interested in her? I mean, I feel like that's a little unrealistic that she's there's never a scene with her with another man 
of her class. She's so beautiful, too. I guess just because they're all away at war. Like, doesn't or she died. get that one letter and is really sad because someone that she danced with at a ball, she just found out that he's dead. Right. Yeah. It's all offstage Greek drama stuff. Like, she's had suitors, and they've all gone off to war, and they're all dying all around her. But I'm, not, I'm still not convinced she's in love with Branson. I don't know. She's a rebel, and she's kind of maybe fascinated by him and the attention he's paying her. And it kind of fits in with her whole, I'm not interested in all my class uh, activities. And I don't know. I don't, I'm not completely sold on, on her being in love with him. I, I don't think she's agree. sold on it. <laughs> I think she's really independent. And he is actually not proposing a very respectful, like he's not proposing a life that would give her her independence. It mm-hmm. would be trading in like her current situation where she, you know, has to fit into this one system in her house and with her family and her class to fitting in with what he wants. Like there's never, no one's ever thinking about what Sybil wants. She did want to be a nurse and she's a nurse and it gives her something to do all day. But I could just see her like, like running off with Branson and then getting pregnant and that's, that's it. Now she's home with her babies. Forget all those suffragette meetings. That's over. Yeah, I'm not, that's not what I'm hoping for, for, for Sybil. I want her to become prime minister. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, prime minister. Sybil for prime minister. That's all I hope for. (laughs) Mrs. Patmore is the worst matchmaker. She's a bully. (laughs) Well, well, it's just like, she's just like, I don't care if you like him. You will be his sweetheart, whether you like it or not, or he's going to die. I mean, it's just, oh my God, it's the worst guilt ever. And (laughs) Daisy can't quite articulate. Daisy. Daisy needs to either get on board. Like every time I watch it, I can, I feel like, Everyone else is cool with it, cool to lie. It's like a very nice thing you're doing. Or just get off board. I'm Tell with the... Daisy. I think it's stupid to lie and pretend to be someone's sweetheart just so this guy. I mean, he's going to war. He should be he's... strong enough to do it without having to have some girl mooning over him while he's. He's so annoying in how needy he is. <laughs> he's like, I know if you just love me then i'll get through anything and oh it's so funny isn't the picture the funniest i keep thinking that's like super super early sexting <laughs> like the so not attractive the picture of her it's just I, how <laughs> like his heart warm with her like with her severe ponytail sitting looking so awkward it's just like I think it, this is the episode where he asks her, he's like, and then do you think, you know, what the ladies are doing, you know, they're kind of, they're giving their guys photos of them. And I feel like that is, that is the exact, that is the equivalent of when a guy's like, let's just, you know, let's tape us having sex. <laughs> the girl's like, I don't know. That stuff ends up on Perez Hilton. <laughs> yeah. And then you're Kim Kardashian. Exactly. Like, where's the in between? I feel like it's similar kind of um, pressure. (laughs) (laughs) But Miss Padmore is wow. But Mrs. Padmore is the one doing it, right? (laughs) Because William is like he thinks that Daisy's really into it, and then at the end when he's just like, "Is that right, Daisy? Are we engaged?" (laughs) 
oh my god, a, I wanted to kill like, her. The opposite look on her face as a woman should have when she has just gotten engaged. Totally. Well, <laughs> and Mrs. So... Patmore just nodding in the background. Oh my god. He is so dense, too, because Daisy's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, if that's not the look of love, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Obviously don't know. That's that's it. Yeah, right there. But I just love it when he's like, "Can we be sweethearts?" <laughs> Daisy Daisy has this hilarious like twitch, like she kind of bumps up and down, you know? She does this like <laughs> hippity hop like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> I mean, does she just I love how she's like, "I don't love him." But is she like, "I I will barf in my mouth if I have to kiss like, I guess I don't understand the total repulsion. I, You know, it is weird. I, I do have to say I was thinking about that today because it's not even – it's a repulsion. It's, like, almost like is she just, like, repulsed by the idea of being with anybody or just with William? I don't know. She really liked Thomas. So she likes gay dudes. I think that's her destiny, yeah. I've been down that road when I was her age. It's hard. Do you want to talk about it? Should we write a <laughs> Lifetime movie? <laughs> it's not an easy path. So we spent a lot of time talking about people who are acting um, in ways that annoy us in this episode. <laughs> maybe we could take a slight break to talk about maybe the one person who's acting awesome in this episode, which I think is Mary. Um, dealing with with Rosamond scheming uh, to get to get Matthew to dump Lavinia, remembering that Rosamond is the one who scheming ruined Matthew and Mary in the first place, and uh, Mary sticks up for Lavinia quite a bit and finds out the real story and supports her, and it's it's all just very mature. It's kind of like whoa, you I think you handle this beautifully. I think it's very clever because she does handle it beautifully. It makes you kind of respect Mary. But can you guys imagine, like, you cannot possibly, we can't be happy about Mary and Matthew getting together if, like, the pure and wonderful Lavinia is, she can't get Matthew by dastardly deed, you know. She has to, as an audience, we have to believe that she kind of deserves Matthew, like, has earned him, I think. That's oh, a really I definitely agree. Well, they talk, too, about, you know, when Matthew's back, he's so – he looks more and more like the heir apparent than ever because he's dashing in uniform, he's confident, they've all grown used to that idea, and they talk about how adorable they look together, laughing and getting along. They have a lot and of I good smoldering that, looks, which I like. Yeah, and so the, <laughs> the older ladies – the older ladies are like, it's just too cute for words. Like, they won't give it up, you know? Well, it yeah. is kind of annoying that the Lavinia backstory just makes her even so much better. I mean, she's kind of a badass, you know? That she stole this evidence to help out her dad. I mean, it's like, whoa, this girl got really cool. I love that, too, there is like, they they thought it was conceivable for a second that they were lovers. I know. Lavinia and that guy. I was like, no, guys, no. <laughs> that never happened. Well, Mary certainly is very nice to Lavinia to not mention that dreadful green dress again. 
Guys, oh. I feel like it's it's like the bitchy, rich, slutty girl and who's kind of growing up and Lavinia is totally like I went to Overland and I have an NPR bag. <laughs> like, she's so, like, she's, and Mary's like, ooh, I you wear that, but but I think it, I think it speaks to Mary. I think she legitimately loves Matthew. Like all of this, I think episode was supposed to show us the audience that a we can root for Mary. She's not going to get Matthew through, you know, dishonest ways, and also. Because she's not doing that, I, I don't know if it's her growing up so much as it is. She she sincerely, in the most unselfish way possible, loves Matthew. Yeah. And, and, and that she's willing to, she understands that he's in love with this girl. And and so, if, you know, if, she, if you really love someone, you sort of want them to be happy. Okay, I did want to, before we end on Mary and Matthew, I did want to tell you guys that, <laughs> again, I got this amazing idea digging into season two for a bigger and better Matthew and Mary YouTube tribute video because, you know, last time someone had already thought of with or without you, with you too. So I was like, oh my gosh, for season two, the theme is Adele, someone like you. <laughs> you know, she's Adele, right. she's Adele. And, and so I started to get to work like, purchasing that on iTunes so I could overlay it. And it exists like 20 times. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, I've been doing a lot of thinking over this week, and I just think that we need some regular features. And of course, one inspired by my great love, I'd like to call it Fuck You Bates, of what he does in each episode <laughs> that drives us crazy. I mean, my list is always very long, but uh, I'm just curious, you guys, what would you have been like for this one? Fuck You Bates. I don't think your new Twitter friend is going to like this. I know. It's a little bit hard because I have a new Twitter friend. Oh, Mr. Bates, who's <laughs> someone who writes like him. And we have been chatting. Uh, if you're listening, you should really follow Oh, Mr. Bates and just start talking to him because he talks like the character and it's hilarious. He, <laughs> it could be she. I don't even know. I have no idea who this person is. Oh, well, friend. okay, so so in this episode, Bates Bates is annoying because like I don't even know why he's working at this pub. Like I don't know what he's trying to pull by like popping up in town and everything. But the worst is when Anna goes to see him and she points out, you know, if you can't get this divorce right away, it's it's not against the law to take a mistress. Like we don't have to be living in misery. And he goes, that's not the right path for you. And it's like, uh, Bates. Like, fuck you, Bates. She's telling you fuck what you, she Bates. wants. And you're saying, you know, no, that's not right for you. I know better. And plus, even though I'm the scandalous person, I want you to stay pure and virginal and until we can be properly married. It's like, ugh. I'm also, like, I get really obsessed now the more I watch this show with this idea that you could pledge your life to this dude who's telling you, you know, how the future is going to go. He's kind of bossy. And you haven't even really made out. Like, how do you even know you're going to enjoy being with this person? <laughs> like she's... Welcome to conservative America. <laughs> okay, I just posted the Matthew and Mary, someone like you, on Everyone the blog. Everyone should check that out on 
Yeah. And I feel like everybody's been finding some really funny stuff to put on our Tumblr. And I'm just amazed at the amount of stuff that's out there. I mean, there is just this mania around the show. I mean, I went to go see a documentary on Friday and the girl I sat next to was like, oh, I'm also doing a Daunton Abbey podcast with my husband. I was like, what? <laughs> Is what? everybody doing a podcast about this? <laughs> we're we're definitely the mar we're the Mary of podcasts in terms of how ruthless we are. <laughs> oh, their podcasts. Yeah, I was kind of thinking like the way we're talking. <laughs> the way we've been talking for this particular episode, it kind of sounds like we hate this show. <laughs> But I just have to say that in order to be this infuriated by certain characters and storylines, you have to be really invested in the first place. And that's why when things start to be like a little bit circular or you don't really understand why some of the characters are doing certain things they're doing, it's so maddening because you just want it to get back on the on the path of being awesome again. And I think this episode is a, a little bit of a step down from the premiere, um, although it seems to be setting up some interesting things for the future. Well, that concludes another episode of Downton Gabby. This was a very slow show. We're really hoping that next week's episode gives us a lot of good juicy dirt to talk about. You can follow all the juicy dirt on our Tumblr, downtongabby.tumblr.com, or on Twitter at Downton Gabby, or on our Facebook page called Downton Gabby. Until next time. We'll see you in Yorkshire.